Well, good evening, Regent. My name is Grant Wilkie. I have a new life in Christ, and I am recovering from pride, perfectionism, and this week, comparison. Y'all, it is good to be with you tonight. I haven't been here in a while, so I, I am really happy to be here. Uh, I'll be continuing our series called Struggles. And this series is entirely intended to help us think rightly about sin and how it manifests in our lives and give us practical steps by which we can fight against sin and its infestation in our heart, and we can fight by the Spirit. And as we explore this series, not just today, but as we continue to go forward, we're going to continue to explore the theme that sin deeply roots itself in our hearts and that our sin always has a heart root that springs up forth and yields death in our lives. And I want to illustrate this by telling a little story. Uh, and I'm going to tell you guys about my best friend growing up. Her name was Blackberry Soda Pop. She was my dog. And yes, my dog's name was Blackberry Soda Pop. Pretty terrible name. Uh, we did call her Soda, and she was a beautiful Border Collie, and she was my favorite. We got her when I was six years old. And I remember I was driving home from a buddy's birthday party and we saw this decrepit house that said free dogs outside. And I made my mom stop. And so we stopped and we walked in and we see this flea ridden, starving dog who looked terrified to see us. And of course, I looked at it and said, mom, that's the one that I want. And she, of course, said no. And so we went home. And throughout that week, I continued to bug my mom, please, please, please. And we finally went back and we got soda. And we continued to care for her and we loved on her for her entire life until my freshman year of college, she passed away during spring break, which was a terrible, uh, terrible moment. But the story continues up until when I was, uh, <laughs> was this was during COVID back in 2020, and I was dating my now wife at the time, and we decided to go visit her family in Houston. And as we were hanging out, we decided to watch a movie. And there's this movie called The Art of Racing in the Rain. I don't know if you guys have ever seen it or heard of it, but it is a dog movie. It's about this race car driver and his dog. And any movie that you call a dog movie, it has one thing in common. And everyone knows what it has in common. The dog always dies. And you just know that it's coming. Marley and B, you know that it's coming. And so about five minutes in, I just realized, oh gosh, this, this dog is not going to make it. And so I start, I start choking up. And about 30 minutes in, I'm like, I don't know how much more I can handle. And, a, and an hour in, I start crying for the next 30 minutes of the movie. And the dog dies, and I just lose my mind. And remember, I'm sitting there with my girlfriend and her entire family. So I'm sitting there weeping, humiliated, and they're like, oh my gosh, did your dog just die? And I'm like, no, it was four, four years ago. <laughs> and I was humiliated, everybody. It was terrible. But I share that story because, number one, it's funny, but Soda was such an integral part of our lives. But if you had seen her when she was a little puppy, you never would have imagined that. The first time I saw her, she ran away from me. And then when we brought her home, she didn't want anything to do with us. She was terrified of us. And slowly but surely, we were able to solve the problem in Soda's head, which she had been taught that she could not trust anybody because of the way that she had been abused. And as we loved on her and cared, cared for her for the rest of her life, she became a centerpiece of our family. 
and I miss her so much to this day. She had a root in her heart of distrust that was solved by trusting in the people around her. And tonight, we'll be talking about abuse and the abuses that we have suffered as people here. And I just think it could be helpful up front to define what abuse is. Abuse can be emotional, verbal, mental, financial, physical, or sexual in nature. Abuse is actions that intentionally harms or injures another person. It's also a behavior of patterns used to manipulate or control another person. And listen to this. Abuse damages a person's dignity, their sense of worth, and at most times, a person's body, mind, and spirit. And friends, it has deep implications for our image, our relationships, and everything about our lives. Remember, little Soda, she's six months to a year old, this beautiful little border collie. She didn't want anything to do with anyone. She was terrified. All that she had seen were people who were not safe. It has deep implications for our relationships. But if you see in this, uh, in this definition of abuse, one thing sticks out really clearly when we look at it objectively. It's that it's something that somebody does to us. It's something that is done, not something that we have done. And I just want to say from the stage really, really clearly these words. If you've been abused, regardless of what type of abuse it was, let me just say it's, it's not your fault. It is not your fault if somebody subjected you to abuse. For instance, you wouldn't look at Soda and call her weak or foolish for not defending herself. Uh, you wouldn't look at me when I was a high schooler and I was sexually abused by a leader in my church youth group. You wouldn't call me a fool. You wouldn't call me weak. But so often, we do that to ourselves as it applies to the abuse in our lives. And also, I'd just like to say, just because you could have been wiser in the situation does not mean that it is your fault. But with that, I think that one of the biggest reasons we accuse ourselves in abusive situations is because it's almost easier to cope with if we can blame ourselves rather than blaming someone else. If we can just say, if I had just done this differently, then maybe things wouldn't have gone this way. Maybe things would have gone differently. If I hadn't worn that, if I hadn't said that, if I hadn't been there, maybe things could have been different. And friends, I want to free you from that because if abuse is a part of your story, the blame is not yours to take. The blame is not yours to take. We put it on ourselves because we desire control in our lives, but we should not grasp for control. The blame is not ours to take, but instead, it's ours to trust to God. You see, blame isn't even ours to assign. It's not our job to point fingers because justice is not ours. We are not the executors of justice in our world, and I'm grateful for that because justice belongs to the Lord. God is our perfect moral judge who is just and good and kind and loves us deeply. Romans, 9, Romans 12, 19 says this, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, and I will repay, 
says the Lord. For me, I'm oftentimes a gray person, meaning I don't operate in the black and the white. And I'm sure that many people can, uh, can understand that. But God is not morally gray. He is not gray. He does not operate in the question marks. God is black and white. He knows right and wrong. And he knows what is just and he knows what is sin. He perfectly understands. This is why James chapter 1 can say this. It says that God is the father of lights in whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. When we think about this aspect of God, that there is no shadow or variation in him due to change, it's the fact that God is consistent. He is unchanging. He is not pulled by various passions within him like we so quickly are. But God is consistent and God sees clearly and he is never confused. He is never caught off guard. And what that means for us is that we can trust God's judgment. He sees things rightly. And if we have a God that is consistent and sees things rightly, we can know that God isn't okay with abuse. That God isn't okay with what happened to you. God isn't okay with what happened to me. But friends, while we can't control what has happened to us, and while we should trust all of that with the Lord, there's one more thing that I think could be helpful to say. It's that while we can't control what has happened to us, we can control how we respond, whether it's to an abusive situation or otherwise. See, we cannot control if sexual abuse is a part of our story, but we can control whether or not we cope with alcohol. We can't control whether or not physical or domestic or verbal abuse is a part of our story, but we can control what we turn to to cope, whether it's pornography or affairs or bouts of anger or, control, or more control or pick your poison, friends, whatever it is for you. We have a responsibility to react rightly because being a victim does not justify our sin. As a victim of sexual abuse myself, I remember for years I justified the sexual sin I continued to walk into to cope with. I justified my sin again and again and again and again. And I hurt myself, I hurt others, and I ruined my witness for Christ because I was so locked into the victim mentality. Being a victim does not justify our sin. And on the flip side of the coin, if you are someone who has uh, abused somebody in your story, I want you to know that the cross is not only sufficient for the sufferer, the cross is sufficient for you. This is the kind of God that we serve. A God who is merciful, who is just, who does not love partially, who sees us and is kind, who has mercy upon the sinner. Jesus tells us that he came not to save the righteous, but to seek and save the lost. And I myself, as a very lost man, am very grateful for God's kindness in my own life. So grateful. So how can we practically apply some of these ideas to our own lives? Whether it's thinking about how we move forward in the process of healing from sexual abuse or the process of recovering from a domestic abusive relationship. 
I would say there's one resource I want to point you guys towards. Uh, and each of these struggles we'll be going through in this series, we have a little one-pager uh, that can be found either on the region website or out at the welcome desk. And this one specifically is for sexual abuse, uh, but there's a lot of really helpful uh, topics and, conversa- and uh, little pieces of information on here uh, that could help you guys as you walk forward in your victory from abuse. Uh, but y'all, I also next want to welcome up Courtney, who will be sharing her testimony today and tell- telling us a little bit how uh, she has found freedom uh, from the sin and shame in her life. So join me in welcoming Courtney. 